1: Football. Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I am one of your hosts. I'm Stéphane LeCoe. You can find me on Twitter at Stéphane LeCoe. And I am joined by the OG, the creator, the man himself at FF underscore Travis M. Travis, how are you doing today? We just watched Jacksonville seal up a nice win uh Trevor Lawrence did in fact play and uh we were on the uh well I was on the Jags money line. I thought that was a nice <laughs> play. And uh yeah. they didn't fumble it at the end. Uh it was funny, dude. At one point I had to drive my I had to drive to go pick up my daughter, and so there was a gap in my watching. But I watched Christian Kirk fumble the ball. Next offensive I mean the next time Jacksonville touched the ball was that muffed kick. <laughs> And then I drove, came back, and it was Trevor Lawrence yeah. throwing an interception. But it got reversed, but I was like, Are you kidding me? Three plays in a row. So anyway, they were doing yeah, that was my everything
2: day. they could to lose that game, which for you, I'm sure it was awful. As, as the Jaguars fan that you are, I just, it's almost unwatchable. <laughs> I was,
1: yeah, I was frustrated. But the NFL's kind of been frustrating me lately. I, my, my buddies were just texting me, like, because they know I hate the fade route. And that's what, like, down by a touchdown at the six that's what the saints were throwing and i've been tracking it um this weekend oh and last weekend uh in the games i was watching there were seven like end zone fades and they went zero for seven it is the dumbest play in football um that's it i'm done
2: yeah you would think that uh you know, hey, maybe we should just draw up a play that's better than, you know, a 50-50 shot, you know, Uh, in many cases. A
1: 50-50 shot if the quarterback throws it to the right spot, (laughs) like, and most of these guys don't. So, So, yeah.
2: And uh, not like I'm a professional football player, but that's just, that's just really hard to time. Like even in like freaking flag football, you know, like just to do any kind of back shoulder nonsense, like unless you have a really good uh, quarterback, that's just kind of, that's just crazy difficult. So that's frustrating, but yeah. that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about some fun things and nerdy numbers and, uh, you know, future perfect, you know, prospects for the NFL. I think that's, that's, that's how I put it. And, and it's not that they're, you know, perfect in every way, shape and form. Um, but I think, uh, by the analytics, uh, I think you and I both love to dive into that space and, um, kind of, uh, you know, learn from each other and, uh, you know, help uh, others kind of embrace that kind of uh, point of view, I think when it comes to football, because we could break down film and things like that, that, that doesn't really translate for podcast form now. So, <laughs> right. um, so I, today we are going to dive into some production profiles of some players who were kind of on pace to look like they might be perfect and others that uh, we might've actually, you know, we might think they're one, one thing, but you know, th- they're not actually on that track given how they're playing this season or thus far into their career. So it's going to be fun just to kind of break it down by position and uh, kind of see
1: what we can learn. Yeah, and we're going to break it down by position and then also by by class. Um, so we'll be looking at, you know, 2024, 25, 26. So it'll be really good. I'm excited to hear some of the the, the stats and data and info and analytics that you have for us in your in your fancy spreadsheets over there um, in Nerdville. Uh, <laughs> that is where I live. Yes. Uh, it's going to be great. But, like, let's just jump in. But before we do, so the ABS started um tonight they're a home opener it's now a hockey Uh, podcast by the way but just wait i'm getting to it so i love the abs i had tickets last year but i didn't renew my season tickets because the game time app is amazing and you can just like i just did it while while we were like doing our pre-check um for the show and just pull up the app you can look at all the upcoming games and see the cheapest prices and all that there's games for like 30 bucks on a wednesday next week I might go. Game time is so easy to use. Um, I really do I, I really do love it. So uh, sign up, use the promo code ROTOVIZ and we will get you on your way. Okay, now <laughs> we are no longer a hockey podcast or a Jacksonville Jaguar or even a fade route podcast. We're going to get into some production profiles for some of these college kids. Let's start at the quarterback position. And why don't we start with the class of 2024? And I want to ask you about Caleb Williams coming off this Really, really bad game. What did it all mean? What can we expect going forward? What has he been looking like? Because I know last year he was amazing. His freshman year, amazing. Uh, what are we looking at for this year? And have you seen any concerns outside of Mike's making a big deal about uh terrible turnover day you know before I I tackle
2: that and how that might impact uh, Caleb Williams profile yeah I think um, you know if if people haven't already tuned out that aren't super into analytics I I think it's just a fun conversation because it has to do with predicting the future you know like that's what we're trying to do yeah we're trying to kind of solve uh, for what NFL decision makers are uh, largely thinking of in terms of uh, their analytics departments but also you know if Things that just beyond just being a number on a stat sheet, like they actually translate to on-field success. Like they're just an expression of reality, you know, because I think we get in right. this film versus analytics thing. And a lot of times it's just they're, they're speaking to one another uh, and they're just an expression of one another. They're not the opposite, you know. And so I think we're just trying to. Yeah, they're them. kind of
1: saying the same thing in a different yes, language. Yes, they are. Right? So it's kind I, of, I think we're not yeah. really, uh, you know, in
2: many cases, uh, team analytics, team film, whatever. I'm, we're both here on the college scan podcast, uh, but um, I think it's just important to kind of frame it. It's look, like, we're not trying to say that every production metric is going to explain exactly where somebody's going to be drafted. Uh, you know, we, we're saying this with absolute certainty. It's just given historic precedent. This typically is what a foot my players, you know, players profile looks like. And if they're going to be drafted here, and these are some of those players. And so, yeah, with Caleb Williams, we've talked about him on the show for three years now at this point, And, uh, you know, you and I have, we're in nerdy leagues. We've had him on rosters for, for a couple of years, if not more at this point as well. And so, um, people may have maybe heard this before, but he had like a 95th percentile kind of passing season, just as a true freshman, when you break it down by all the key, you know, per attempt and uh, per play type metrics. Uh, and then he followed it up with an even better season last year. And until this past week is actually pacing for an even better season, just off the charts, any kind of modeling that you would try to build that, you know, combines every single meaningful metric into one kind of score. Uh, he was kind of off the charts. Like, uh, every year I built this, uh, multifaceted, you know, custom QBR to kind of just create some guardrails for my perception of players just to be like, okay, are they actually playing as well as I think they are or as my eyes are telling me that they are, uh, or is this not really reality? And, um, like he was, Caleb Williams was on pace to have a score that essentially breaks my model. You're not even supposed to really be above a hundred. Like at the season's end, he was like almost to 120. Like <laughs> the average is 50 for FPS, and he was like breaking the edges because he was such an outlier. Um, but so yeah, he was kind of due for a fall apart week. And you kind of knew it was, it was coming because USC was probably going to fall behind and he was just going to be in panic mode, having to make up for the awful, awful defense. But it was kind of his fault, which was the surprising part. Right. Uh, and Yeah. You know, so that's disappointing. Uh, but even with his colossal downfall in that in that first half where he threw three interceptions, he did kind of call, call back and make it interesting for a second. Um, but even after that colossal three interception game, he still, uh, by the most meaningful models that we have, Uh, to put together to predict capital, to predict how they'll do, how quarterbacks will do in the NFL. He is the number five quarterback in the country by the, the meaningful measures uh, still, even after like the week after (laughs) that meltdown happens, he's still number five uh, and still has a score that says, you know, he's still well above the threshold we want to see for a first round quarterback. So I'm not worried at all. And, and he didn't hurt his draft stock. No. Any, I mean, he's day, he's you? been the number one pick for a while. And uh, yeah, I know that Drake may is amazing. We can, we can get into that as well. Um, Cause I don't know. You probably even like Drake may more than I do. But I, I also think that you, you probably just recognize that at this point, Caleb Williams is still the number one overall pick.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Drake may didn't have his uh, perfect start to the season. He was struggling out the gate too. Um, I mean, through three games, I think he had four picks and four touchdowns or something like that. Like, I know it was a rough start. So um, Caleb just did all his in one game. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's what, another quarterback that I'm, I'd am i love to hear you kind of talk about. Because um, there's been a lot of talk about him not having to do a whole lot and people wondering what he can do if he needs to. And that's J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. And he's been so efficient. Uh, I think we talked about him last week with Roman Wilson and just what they've been doing on offense and uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on him and what he's piecing together and uh what you think his like the realistic ceiling maybe like could he be a first round pick will he be a first round pick
2: Yeah that that's one uh, you know a really intriguing quarterback and uh, yeah, you know if Caleb Williams is fifth who are the who are the four quarterbacks who are, who are like profiling better than him this season okay. and this is not to say that you know, they're going to be better quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just how they're playing this year and the games that they have played by the metrics. They're just barely ahead of where he is on the year. And it's probably not going to finish this way. Um, Caleb's probably still going to have the best profile in the country when it's all said and done, but Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma, uh, and JJ McCarthy uh, are all for uh, by the numbers Uh, the per play metrics that actually mean something in predicting NFL draft capital uh, and future NFL success. Uh, Those are the four guys, Jaden Daniels, of course, LSU, Michael Penix being the Heisman front runner uh, out of Washington after his uh, defeat of Oregon this past week. And JJ McCarthy, who's just killing everyone with Michigan and Dylan Gabriel, who's on uh, by most measures, uh, you know, the, the most, likely team to actually make the college football playoff in the country. I think a lot of people try to build models to predict that outcome. So if, if he takes them to the playoff this year, Gabriel could be in the mix for some fun or uh, underrated NFL draft capital. that I, I think a lot of us thought was kind of out of the picture at this point, but it seems that might not be the case, but McCarthy uh, has been really good for a year and a half. We didn't really see much of him as a true freshman. Um, and he was inconsistent uh, in his first season as a starter, especially in the midpoint of the year, we've, we've talked about it in a few key games. He underwhelmed when uh, really pressed uh, or w- when he faced pressure uh, specifically against, I believe, uh, Illinois. And, and then again, in the playoff, he kind of just kind of uh, forced it and <laughs> the TCU game and got into trouble with some turnovers and, you know, almost won, you know, almost won anyway. But uh, he has struggled when, when we look at the pressured numbers versus the non pressured numbers, he's Basically the perfect prospect when he's not pressured, which is, you know, you would, you would assume you're going to be better in that situation, but there is a market drop-off that I am a little bit concerned concerned with, Um, but in terms of that being a liability and how that impacts like his drives drive to drive success uh, offensively, that hasn't really reared its ugly head except for you know, just for like half of one half against Bowling Green this year. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how well he does down the stretch and see if he can maintain this elite, elite, elite uh, kind of EPA per play numbers. his total adjusted net yards per attempt, his QBR, like all his stats across the board are just near 99 percentile, except for like, you know, the volume based ones that typically win you awards. And so for me, um, he's analytically speaking, maybe on paper, just paper, Uh, near the best prospect in the class. Um, But I think that might change down the stretch
1: as his schedule gets a little bit harder. Right. But it is interesting, too, because he's, I mean, well, Roman Wilson um, and their tight end Loveland, um, who we'll talk about later, Uh, spoiler alert, uh, well, they're fine. They're good. Uh, Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix are playing with um, absolute stud wide receivers who will be playing in the NFL um, and will be drafted high. And also will be talked about on the show at some yes. point, you know, um, and uh, and then McCarthy and even uh, Dylan Gabriel uh, aren't doing it with a ton of weapons. Uh, yeah. now Gabriel's doing a lot of it with his feet. He, he's he's adding a lot of production with rushing. Um, or JJ McCarthy hasn't been as much, but, um, at least I actually, I don't watch much Michigan. So you could tell me maybe JJ is running. I know he has had a, a couple rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's, and been he's been kind of a plus there, like
2: not, not a, uh, you know, a super high rushing yard market share. Uh, but you know, he's got like 23 rushing yards, not a game. liability. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, not a will Levis, no, no, historically you don't want to see any season and especially for their career or their peak season. Uh, you know, put up negative rushing yards that historically that like those quarterbacks just do not hit at anymore. Like we haven't yeah. seen one come into the league and have any remote level of success in over a decade uh for somebody who had like negative rushing yards in their peak season. And so looking at you, uh, you know, keep keep people like you know Kyle McCord actually, uh Shador Sanders, mm-hmm. uh who's been a problem. Um, you know, I, I like Uh, some of the things that those quarterbacks do but like if you're a liability in terms of taking way too many sacks in a way that it outweighs your added value with your legs as a rushing threat or um, you know you're doing it at a a clip that you know you're ending drives like that's that's problematic (laughs) Uh, all your team's offensive stats in terms of efficiency are going to struggle so yeah McCarthy's not been that and Gabriel has been a little bit more of a plus there not He's no Jaden Daniels because Jaden Daniels is essentially his team's running back one, but yeah, Gabriel's had to, he's had to scramble, but he's had it like over 300 passing yards a game and doing it like almost 11 adjusting yards per attempt where that particular stat um, is, is, is I'm not going to build it out for you, but we typically only see, you know, in between like six and 15 quarterbacks in the country uh, that have over even 10 and, through over half the year, he's he's above that almost 11 adjusted yards per attempt. So really are really efficient uh, by, ma- by that measure. Uh, but re- where he really stands out is, uh, you know, the expected points added. The EPA per play numbers. He's number two behind only J.J. McCarthy on the year in terms of overall expected points added per play. And so those two quarterbacks are, are really interesting because they have to kind of carry the load like with not... Yeah. Elite level playmakers around them, so um, I'm not touting Gabriel as this, you know, early round pick, but I would not be surprised if he, you know, is that round four surprise, quote unquote surprise, when the NFL uh, draft comes around and people are like, "Well, where did this come from?" He was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in his final season, and that mattered. So, yeah, sure. yeah,
1: yeah. Can we uh, move on to the 25 class? Uh, yeah. A couple guys. One. Who is going to be uh, across the field from one Kyle McCord, who you just mentioned? Real quick, Drew of this week. Real quick though. Okay, let's go. Real quick. Yeah. Jaden Daniels. We just need to.
2: Uh, he's going to be in the 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 round two or three kind of mix when it's all said and done. I'm just going to throw it out there right now, just because I know his frame is a little bit concerning, um, but he's he's putting a basically, he, he might have like a 100th percentile profile, like if if he puts this up down the stretch, like he, he has to make it through the schedule. Yeah, but. It's it's perfection, which is just wild to me. Like I didn't see that coming out, cool. out of out
1: of Jaden Daniels. I didn't see that. Uh, with well, his... we also no, I shouldn't say we. I was skeptical that he was going to have the starting job um, at LSU. Well, I thought Nussmeier was going
0: to push yeah. him and beat him. Well, yeah, and it wasn't a done deal like I, I even was in the summer, surprised. right? Like it was
2: when he came yeah. over. They were still talking about you know it's not settled and yeah, and Walker Howard came in and you know he was supposed to be a five star and he's gone. I think he's a That's different right. team. And yeah. so, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out because, I mean, he, he has weapons. He has, he's got crazy good weapons, uh, but he's improved in such a drastic way. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine him not going inside the top, at least, you know, 120, 130 picks and maybe much higher at this point if he continues this dominance he continues, on both the ground yeah. and through the air because it's just been unreal. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Now can we talk about Drew Alar? The 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 <laughs> yes. the the Nittany, the, the Nittany yeah. Lions Nation is upset with you. Um, oh yeah. 17 minutes into the podcast and we're only now getting Just, to yeah. Drew Alar. Yeah. Well maybe we would get
2: to him sooner if he was actually, if you know
1: if he was actually more efficient, you know? <laughs> like now is yeah. it an efficiency thing cuz cuz I also don't again I don't watch a whole lot of um big 10 yet <laughs> mm-hmm. because like, these Penn State games have not been that exciting to me yeah. um so I have it in Michigan too like they just haven't been playing anyone yet so uh but it's been a very vanilla offense mm-hmm. we haven't seen a whole lot are we concerned that he can't do it or are we just thinking maybe he just hasn't done it yet
2: I think it's that he hasn't done it yet you know it's this is his first year really starting he got into a bunch of games last year but wasn't really having to do much in, in most of them um and this mm-hmm. year uh Penn State's schedule has not been great. They've murdered just about everybody. Like they they've made it interesting for, you know, maybe a quarter or two at, at times, but then they end up blowing up out anyway. Like so Penn State has just not had to do much uh, and they haven't even been efficient in the games that they've just dominated the scoreboard. It's just really odd because uh, it's a lot of dinking and dunking and not, they they gave a few vertical shots early in the game at UMass it was almost like they were kind of trying out a few different vertical concepts with some wide receivers just to see who they would be targeting uh this coming yeah, I remember
1: you against Ohio State you but, texted me that yeah. you texted me that during the game like oh it looks like they're trying out some uh, different different players right. to go vertical right it's yeah. just like they're just screwing around
2: trying to get ready for the game that matters against Ohio State this weekend uh I would not be surprised and maybe it went by the time by the time you're you know people are listening to this he's actually gone off or failed miserably against Ohio State but i would not be surprised if they take it to another level because when you watch penn state and then penn state fans can probably att- attest to this or t- like it's just they don't would do anything wow. like they, they don't really do anything weird like schematically like creative in in the most creative age of football they don't do a whole lot of um like i don't i don't believe they're even like average levels of like pre-snap motion like at the snap uh, or even before the snap, um, like schematic. I The weirdest thing they'll do is, you know, they'll try to get counter Lambert Smith and like a weird wide receiver tunnel screen, you know, crossing the formation or something weird like that. Yeah. But now, I mean, it's, it's nothing, nothing creative, Um, like next level, like modern college football offense. And so it, it's almost like when I watch them this year, they're either easing Drew, uh, Drew Aller into the system and, you know, adding layers as they go throughout the year, or they're intentionally just not showing their best cards at this point because they know they don't have to like they ha- ours got a cannon and they're just not using it. He's got a, he, it's not, he's got, not that he has a super shallow uh, a dot, but it's not super high either for a player of his arm talent. Well And they're not asking, but him. I feel like it's just so confusing. And I know.
1: I know a Al- is more talented than what they've had there previously, but I feel like we talk about Penn state this way under Troy Franklin all the time. Like, when do they push the ball downfield? Yeah. When do they have a vertical threat? Like, is this just who Franklin is as a coach? I, I, yeah. I'm i legitimately asking that. I have no idea. But, like, I feel like they don't push the ball um, and haven't. And maybe – and I always just assumed it was because Sean Clifford's a mediocre quarterback. But um, now you have Drew Willard there, and it's not changing. Yeah, I mean, with Jahan Dotson, I mean,
2: they, they took a bunch of shots, and he was kind of a – Sure, ugly, yeah. Like, he was an undersized, like, contested catch monster. You know, it was just really weird. Um, And so they would just give some, give him some shots, but uh, this year they don't really have that wide receiver who stepped up Um, and why we're talking about drew Aller and being, you know, this perfect uh, production profile type player, and then kind of seemingly crapping on the entire offense. Is that still um, (laughs) 2025 uh, for the NFL draft, like players who were freshmen just last year um, that class in particular looks really, really bad. Like there have been less than 10 Mm. quarterbacks in that entire class that are current active starters for their team in the country right now, which is
1: that's crazy. Yeah. That's
2: not great. I mean, like, and part of it is, it's the oldest group of college football quarterbacks we've ever seen due to the COVID eligibility right. COVID and extended year. careers with IL even like players just finding creative ways to extend their college career to uh, make some cash at this point, <laughs> especially quarterbacks. And so um we have not seen uh for a couple of years now uh, a, a high percentage of incoming freshman class classes. I get immediate work as true freshmen, especially, but even in year two, like we're not seeing guys uh, play right away um, and guys just giving up and transferring uh, to start year two or after year two, because it's just been disappointing. And I I'd imagine we probably see that for from a lot of these guys that were freshmen in 2022 and still to this point are not starters on their team. And in that, a lot of these guys that we want to get excited about in that class, um, or they weren't even starters to open the year, but they are now due to injury or they're, you know, seventh-year quarterback ahead of them just playing terribly, like MJ Morris at NC State. Brandon Armstrong failed. Uh, Jaden DeLora got hurt. And Noah Fafita for Arizona has been going off some. Uh, but Drew Aller is actually still, despite being, um, you know, not incredible, you know, like in terms of his per-play stats and adjusting yards first attempt, uh, his – QBR like he's kind of like barely above average for power five starters like by my measures he's about you know is somewhere between the 25th and 30th best quarterback this year by the numbers um, among power five quarterbacks and that's not great right for a player that we still I think project is a first rounder but yeah I think we have to kind of recalibrate our expectations for for players that are coming in as true freshmen and and sophomores um because they're probably going to have very limited action until you know they're at least halfway through their second season. And so we have these really small sample sizes for these guys for a very long time, and we're just having to project. I still think Aller is going to finish the season well above that mark, once they really open up the offense um, and get past you know uh, a couple of tough games like against Ohio State <laughs> uh, this weekend. Um, but he's really on pace still, even though it's a smaller sample and he's barely above an average starter for Power 5 marks. Uh, he's still is on pace by, by year three to have a fantastic profile. And if he stays for until, until year four, I mean, he can have a couple of 90th percentile plus seasons.
1: No, great. And uh, you mentioned Noah FIFA. I know that's not Fifa. Yeah. <laughs> every time I see, every time I see it, I just think, think oh, FIFA. Fifa, yeah. um, yeah. And Arizona, I mean, they're supposed to be a couple of years away um, under Jed fish uh, and here they are putting up some, some, pretty impressive games, not winning them all, but they're playing well. They're covering a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, he's been, he's been playing, playing really well. And they, and they do have some, some quality wide receivers there with Cowing and McMillan. Um, so it's not like he's throwing it to, to nobody in, in, in the desert there in Arizona, but um, another guy that, uh, that, that you were, you were mentioning. And then um, for freshmen, we've got Dante Moore, one of the few guys starting and um, you know, he he's throwing just as many touchdowns to the other, to the other <laughs> team. It seems like, uh, which yeah. is not what you want to do, especially on the road at Utah to start the game or Oregon state. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of rough showing some freshmen, um frailty, maybe, maybe some, uh, uh, maybe the game's a little bit too fast for him, but uh, he's playing, yeah. you know, he's out there. He's getting, he's getting snaps. He took over the job uh, very early in the season. Like I know he didn't start, but he, Started. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from, from get go. So uh so what are your thoughts on Dante here?
2: Yeah, and and he's of course 2026 20, eligible like everyone else, whether at least sophomores or juniors or beyond. Uh, in today's college football for somebody to just show up and from week one be the starter, like that's just not normal. Like he and Jaden Rashada before he got hurt were the only two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like that was amazing. Like, we just saw the top two-ish, you know, quarterbacks in last year's freshman class just sit the bench and do nothing for a year. Uh, with Drew Aller and Kay Klubnick. And for Dante Moore to come in, and the, the state of current college football, there's like over 40 quarterbacks uh, that are in year five plus that are starting for their teams this year in, in FBS football. Like, that's, that's, like, it's, like that's, a, that's a third of the sport that has their quarterback in year five and beyond. Uh, not to mention a ton that are in year four. And so there's almost no like even third year guys. Like it's a very small number. Really tiny number of second-year guys. And Dante Moore is kind of like the only super draft projection of projection kind of player that is starting as a true freshman uh, for their team this year. So I know he's not been perfect by my numbers. He's somewhere in between quarterback 40 and 50 among uh, Power 5 uh, starting quarterbacks, which is not much you want to see. But when you talk about age-adjusted production, which matters – Um, he's still the best among all of them, even though he's had really kind of two really rough games and another that wasn't great. So I think he cleans it up down the stretch. Um, And I know that, you know, Colin Schlees come in and whatever, I don't know what that's going to look like down the stretch, but I I think Dante Moore is going to put it all together. And uh, when we look back on it, he's going to have a pretty fun, uh, true true freshman season. And he's well ahead of the game, given current expectations. Because like, I think as NIL, you know, continues to have players just hang around longer. Uh, this true freshman total of like starting quarterbacks is going to stay low. E- even after like we see this mass exodus of uh, old quarterbacks leaving as they're running out of the COVID eligibility. So Dante Moore, I think is still very much in the quarterback one mix for his particular g- draft class. Um, and I know Arch Manning is everyone's, you know, he's a, he's who everyone knows for 2026 eligibility. Uh, but Dante Moore is he was ready, he was the most ready quarterback in the class, and that's showing already, even
1: if it's been imperfect. Yeah. One, one guy I'm surprised we haven't seen yet is Nico Iamala. I can't Iyamala say. Iyamala. Nature, <laughs> for Tennessee, yeah, yeah, uh, for Tennessee. I'm surprised we haven't seen him <sighs> yet. I think you know, yeah. another Tennessee under or two. Because um, that's my favorite play of the week last week, and my favorite play of the upcoming week. I'm just ro- riding <laughs> with Tennessee unders because their defense is great, their offense is terrible, and the world doesn't realize it yet. <laughs> nah. So um, yeah, but anyway, but but Milton's part of the problem, in my opinion. So I am kind of surprised we haven't seen Nico yet. But Tennessee has won enough of these games that I guess they uh, they don't want to change it up.
2: Yeah, I'm sure Milton's a nice guy, and it's cool that he can launch it like 90 yards or whatever. Uh, but he is like the main problem with Tennessee this year. Uh, the, the the massive massive drop off from Henan Hooker's like you know top five year last year to whatever Joe Milton's doing like you know running out of bounds on like fourth and two, um, <laughs> like that that happened. That really happened. Like he 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 already did it like last year at the end of a game and blue I was just like guys like what are we doing here? Like he's in year six. He's like almost twenty four, and uh, he still obviously hasn't gotten figured out. He's largely been you know, maybe the worst, if not the second worst SEC starting quarterback in in, in their entire conference. Um, and now he's going to have to maybe he puts it together and down the stretch, but probably not, probably fails miserably probably in a couple not. key spots. And I would not be surprised if he's just benched, if he doesn't do what he needs to against Alabama or any of the other games leading up to the Georgia matchup, which is uh, going to be a huge one. But if I were Tennessee, after he inevitably struggles again, um, against Alabama. Like, okay, this is who he is. I'm sorry, Joe, you know, this is your third starting job that you're going to lose in your career, but let's get Nico ready for the next three weeks ahead of the Georgia game. And yep. Give our best shot to the defending national champions because it's not going to be a game that we can win with Joe Milton. And I know the run, the run game right. for Tennessee has been fantastic. There's been a couple drops by Ramel, Ramel Keaton that have really hurt them as a team. But <laughs> Milton's been the problem. And, and so um that's a profile that is not going to be uh looking perfect on the stretch and so i hope that we're pumped about Nico Miaba down the stretch for Tennessee as he uh hopefully which would how fun would it be if like he he gets the job shows up and like his you know second or third start whatever and beats Georgia
1: that'd be awesome i would love that <laughs> um and and i think it's one of the, i could go off on this for the next 15 minutes and i won't i'm going to go off on it for the next like 30 seconds but one of the things that annoys me when people were talking about Hendon Hooker is like, oh yeah, but it's a it's a passing friendly scheme and blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah, but you put someone in there that's competent and capable and skilled and athletic and accurate, yeah. and it's one thing. And then you put in Joe Milton, and then it's and it doesn't not. matter how great the scheme is. So yeah. I hate that Hendon Hooker gets banged like gets knocked down for that when like, yeah, it's it's a pass happy or pass friend passer friendly offense. But you gotta be able to do what you need to do, and Joe Milton, I think, is showing why Hendon Hooker, uh, he was, was so so damn he good. He was really good. Uh, shall we move? Yeah, shall we move over to running back? Let's do it. I mean, we, we get there's like
2: there's like thirty quarterbacks that are really intriguing, but we'll dive into that in, in future shows shows for the twenty twenty four guys. But I yeah, let's just tackle some running backs because it, it, that produ- production wise, that position is, is really a challenge to measure and predict. Um, so yeah, let's just jump, jump into a few guys that are really wowing from a production profile standpoint for
1: sure. And, and, and one of the guys, uh, maybe is a nice transition because he's had to play a little bit of quarterback with some injuries. He's been, been in that wildcat and that's Devin Neal for Kansas, who, uh, if you had him in DFS a couple of weeks ago, uh. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> like uh he, he's been really really good same with ray davis for kentucky i know those were two guys that you wanted to highlight uh because they've been um absolutely crushing a uh, t- couple of a couple of basketball schools uh producing running backs what is the world coming to travis <laughs> uh yeah and
2: really uh, also we mentioned him uh last week too uh i guess we did Devin Neal at the end but jonathan brooks is just absolutely balling out too like when you yeah. build out kind of any predictive modeling, it's tough to kind of properly weight variables and like, okay, what matters at, at running back? I mentioned just in passing some of the ones that matter for, uh, for quarterback, like EPA per play, uh, both passing and rushing total adjusted net yards per attempt that adjust for, you know, a sack yardage and adjust for, um, you know, your are rushing as well. Uh, you know, your, your QBR, uh, you know, a number of like yards per play measures and, uh, matter quite a bit but with running backs you're kind of looking at uh, like okay can they take on volume can they take on volume as a rusher can they take on volume and be a dependent uh dependable rather uh receiver um, and they do and do they have breakaway speed do they have breakaway uh, like explosive play potential like those it's those three things it's it's volume and ru- as a rusher it's volume and consistency and efficiency as a receiver and then do they have elite breakaway ability and explosive capability um and and all in all you're going to find a player that has a pretty efficient-looking profile, in uh, doing it so on volume, like that's the ideal play. I mean, it's not like revolutionary to kind of want those two married together, but there are several measures you can look at, and you know, certain players just are absolutely dominating. To put it in perspective, like Ray Davis, out of like you know, you know, seven hundred plus running backs who have touches in the FBS this year, Ray Davis is the number two profile out of all of them. He's the number one uh, running back. Uh, among all power five running backs this year in terms of all the meaningful measures that typically lead to draft capital, which I was really surprised by when I, I built my kind of multi-pronged model this week. I do it every single week uh, for what I do at Mojo, but I was really wowed like, because he, he, he blew up at Temple uh, as a, like a true freshman, transfers to Vanderbilt, struggles initially, blows up again, transfers, and has had success now on three different teams in less than ideal circumstances dominating at temple Vanderbilt and now Kentucky like that's that's not normal and so uh for him to do that and and then Devin Neal to have you know a top 10-ish kind of season uh among all power five running backs uh at Kansas like with with their backup quarterback like that's that's incredible
1: do you think either one of these guys can sneak to to that like top three running backs drafted can they get up there with the, with the Trevions and the, I don't actually, I don't remember who your, your top three were right now, but um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was funny. Like, Can well, either I, of these guys kind of crack that? Yeah. I,
2: it's tough to say it with much confidence in this running back class because n- like almost none of them um, are doing what we want them to, you know, like we were trying to get excited about, you know, Trevion Henderson to start the year uh, Raheem Sanders to start the year um, Brian Allen to start the year, Will Shipley, and, and none of them, even if they're doing pretty well, they're not doing like elite level numbers that we typically want to see. And so, when we get elite level numbers out of Ray Davis and Jonathan Brooks and Devin Neal, it's like, okay, if, if they go and they get you know day two capital, I'm probably gonna have to readjust my rankings and really kill the the, the stock of you know maybe a Rocket Sanders because of his, his injury plagued season. Or um, you know, with again Henderson missing time, like what are we ever going to get the version that we saw two years ago uh, of him? And so, right, um, yeah, I would I would say I wouldn't rule it out for any of the three I mentioned. Really, Ray Davis, Jonathan Brooks, and Devin Neal uh, being kind of in that top five running back mix when it comes down to it. Right now, um, Ray and uh, Devin Neal are not my top five mix. Brooks is kind of right there on the fringe, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they continue. Uh, being as solid and uh, showing it to be efficient down the stretch, despite less than ideal circumstances. I think we honestly have to look at them and go, even if they get you know, back in day two capital, early round four capital, I'm going to target them because they're probably going to be uh, a value on draft day. Given how deep the wide receiver class is for 2024, um, they're probably going to be cheaper than, than a typical player with this kind of elite level, like 98th percentile plus production profile at the running back position.
1: Yeah, that that that's that's good. I I uh, I don't know how many victory laps I'm allowed to take on Jonathan Brooks, but I'm going to keep doing them until you tell me to stop. Seriously, but, I mean, like uh, I do among power do five players
2: it. this year, he's got you know maybe the second or third best running back profile in the country right now. And and I will say, disclaimer: running back metrics are less predictive than wide receivers. They're less predictive than quarterbacks. They're only maybe. Slightly more predictive than most, like tight end stuff. But tight end is super basic. We only a few few things really, I think, mean uh, a big uh, percentile in terms of it predicting capital. But so it's it's a little bit. Is your name Brock Bowers? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, but running backs in general, it's tougher to to really like build rankings off of it. Uh, it's just a bunch of threshold tests. But all these numbers, all these guys. Um, I, I, the models that I build to get, you know, give these percentile scores for these guys, it's like with 12 to 15 variables in all these positions. And so across the board, I, it's just, it's just, they're, they've been incredible. And if they, they keep it up, there's no way that they get, you know, they, they drop below like round four ish unless they just test.
1: Well, unless they test like Kyron Williams. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he's having some success, yes, uh, hurt unfortunately, now, yeah. of course he's injured. Yeah. So yeah. No matter how good you are at fantasy football, you could have drafted Kyron Williams and Devin uh, at chain yeah. after listening to us. And, and it wouldn't have mattered. You're still screwed this week. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about the class of 25, uh, a running back that you're, you're really high on um, from Boise state.
2: Ashton jainty is absurd. Like he has, he literally, I mean, it is like, uh, you know, if Caleb Williams breaks quarterback metrics, what JT is doing this year Uh, Breaks all of the uh, running back metrics. He is like the 100th percentile kind of player. Like not even just like this year, like he just kind of busts everything because there's nothing to even compare him to like what he's it's, it's absurd. Like he has, it's he's played seven games and he has almost 900 rushing yards. And on top of that, 30 catches in those seven games. Yeah. Like he's got 1200 plus yards through seven games. Like he's on pace for, Easily coasting past two thousand yards from scrimmage on the year, and I know that it's you know I guess a G five schedule, but Boise State is a nightmare on offense. Like they've been going back and forth between Taylen Green and, and some other quarterback whose name does not matter. Like it's just not. It's it's been gross. Nobody can throw, and so they they know they know what's coming, and they can't stop it. So it's a problem. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it's a problem. Uh, and he's he's a sophomore. Like he's a true sophomore, not even eligible this year. And there's nobody that even sniffs his incredible profile. Like it's just
1: unreal. Like this year. It- he is what we hoped Singleton would be. Is that what you're telling uh, no. me?
2: I'm <laughs> not going to go that far. I'm just saying by the numbers, I meant
1: production yes, wise, yes, yes,
2: production yes. wise, production wise, like he's just been incredible. And so putting it all together, it, it was, I mean, there were fun stories last year, like Jaden not came out of nowhere for California. That was cool. Like, and, and right. I still believe in him, Amari and Hampton flashed early last year, kind of slowed down, but he's looking good again for North Carolina, you know, good, good production profile there for him too. Um, Damien you know, Damian Martinez, Damien Martinez for uh, you know Oregon State, Ollie Gordon for Oklahoma State's coming on now. Uh, he actually has a really strong profile too, uh, at least this season. But guys that we wanted to like prop up as the running back one overall, like uh, Nick Singleton or uh, Quinshawn Judkins, uh, guys like that, that are just not doing what uh, what we expected out of them, and so. Uh, guys like that i mean they're, they're they're not bad it's just you know singleton's got like uh among all running backs in college football you know he's in somewhere in the 80s in terms of percentile uh for this year of production uh which is just not what you want out of a player that you're projecting to be you know uh you know early first round possibility uh and and so i don't really feel confident in very many college football play uh playing running backs right now um that I was excited about to open the year. And and I hate that because I want to be more excited about them. But JT feels like a slam dunk for uh, at least day two capital. And I can't say that about most group of five running backs.
1: Right. Uh, and, and that's very true. Um, this next guy, I'll be honest, I had to look up his name when you put him in the show sheet. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, a theme here, I don't watch a whole lot of, a uh, big 10 football. Um, let's God talk about Darius eyes. Taylor. Listen,
2: I mean, they're probably, <laughs> they're probably better off for it, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Darius Taylor. I, that'll change. That'll change next year when Oregon's there, but yes, for now, yes, Darius Taylor in this weekend, but Darius Taylor. I know he's, he's actually been hurt a little bit here now for Minnesota, but he, the way that he started the season, uh, his like per game, uh, metrics. He was, uh, like right up there. I think, uh, third best profile, um, by almost any measure, like through his four games that he played, uh, right behind Ashton Gentry and uh, Raymond or Ray, just Ray Davis of Kentucky, like third best per game kind of profile on the season. But you know he's already missed some time, so he's going to drop down, and people are probably going to forget how good that his season was starting off to be. Um, but he wasn't, you know, Minnesota just does this. Like they find these guys that are, you know, three stars. Mohamed
1: Ibrahim. Yeah they, yeah, they
2: find these guys that are the three-star uh, recruits that aren't supposed to be a, be a big deal and just make them the most productive players in the country. So is it the system? Uh, I would say not because they don't even have an offensive system this year at Minnesota. I don't <laughs> – I, I Ethan kelly Manis is, I don't know, bottom – Five quarterback in, in the country uh, at, at any level, maybe like it's 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 real bad. Uh but through four games, I mean he already had like almost 600 yards from scrimmage as a true freshman running back. Uh so yeah he doesn't even awesome. have like he's not even completely filled out yet. Like he's not even like 210 pounds, I don't think. So um for him to do what he's he's done and to really be in a league of his own, like he has when you mix together like a, a kind of composite of like his per game and you know his his overall season long profile like he's 13th in the entire country uh there's no other running back that's even in the top like among like 2026 20, class guys there's no even like top 60 kind of profiles in the country uh which is yeah. insane uh, among true freshmen so what he's doing he's on an island uh no one else is close and so it's it's really fun to see him just dominating that way when he was he was a three-star he wasn't supposed to come in and just wow like that
1: Hmm. yeah and uh yeah kind of reminds me like last year like quinshawn under under um recruited maybe yeah i uh, mean he was going well, and off. he
2: was kind of a fringe like three-star but he was like a really high high right. high and three-star you know um
1: yeah not the same yeah
2: not but, the same but
1: uh, but it's fun to see those guys but they don't always last uh i was just thinking when you were talking about quinshawn earlier like he was in, in debbie leagues that you know were depleted from like the year before Quinshawn Judkins jenkins was often available and was you know one of the first picks in most of my debbie drafts right. and, and he's really disappointed so uh, not been efficient I mean, whatsoever maybe that's too problematic <laughs> maybe that's too strong <laughs> um but I and I, I think we were all expecting more. Yeah. And um, I, shall we hit wide receivers on the? Other, oh, keep going. Sorry. Let's
2: just say he he uh, and, and you know we're disappointed in the running backs. But Nick Singleton is still a very early projection, and Quinshon Judkins still a very early round pro- projection right now. Like if he stays kind of inefficient and struggles for the next year and a half, okay. But what he did as a, as a freshman still keeps him way up there. Don't it's he, enough. <laughs> just, yeah not where we want them to be. And so the the running back position is just frustrating in that way right now. Maybe by the end of the year, it's kind of fixed, but halfway through it seems kind of disappointing as a whole.
1: Yeah. Um, Speaking of disappointments, let's – I'm just kidding. Uh, We are going to jump to our ads. Um, You will not be disappointed. We will be back with you on the other side of the break uh, to talk wide receivers and tight ends.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: All right, we are back. Let's talk about wide receivers. I went, we we talked about uh, Jaden Daniels earlier and Malik neighbors is just amazing. Uh, it was crazy to me how cheap you could get him this offseason um, in a lot of my, uh, college fantasy, uh, leagues. And I did, and he is absolutely killing and uh, I'm not sure why he was cheap, but he's showing that last year was no fluke, um, and is, uh, really putting together some numbers. I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have for me, uh, on the league neighbors.
2: It just, it just reminds me of, uh, of another former LSU wide receiver who told us exactly how good he was and who he was, um, really early and a lot of people didn't adjust until his final season. Justin Jefferson was the best wide receiver of all the really dominant wide receivers there among Jamar chase and Terrace Marshall and a few other guys at the time who were, you know, projected to be earlier round picks than him because of his, you know, he was a lower level recruit. So initial expect expectations were low. He had athleticism questions coming out of high school. Then he wasn't, you know, a circuit kid, you know, that had everything perfect and handed to him. Right. Uh, but maybe we should just listen to players when they tell us exactly who they are. Like when neighbors comes out and he, he puts up a thousand yards, uh, receiving last year instead of Keishon Boutte. And he does it with Jaden Daniels in his first year in, in a new system uh, when they're not even like putting up a, a bunch of gaudy stats as an offense. Maybe we should just listen to guys when they tell us that they're amazing. Cause that's exactly what he is. He's a, his profile, uh, you know, what, whatever you want to measure by receiving yards per pass attempt, um. You know, his weighted dominator rating, his EPA per play, whatever you you think is important uh, for the, it doesn't matter. He's like a
1: hundred. He's excelling at it. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: And just from a vertical route stem standpoint, like where he wins, how he wins with consistency from a film standpoint, it's just the numbers agree with the film and say, look, this guy is an early first round uh, prospect and I love it.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's so great. And we've talked about LSU a bit, like, it's not like he's the only uh, guy in town either. They've got a lot of other great receivers there too. Um, a, a guy that I, um, you know, I, I'm talking about Malik Neighbors here um, as if like I, I know all things uh, mm-hmm. because I knew he was good. A guy that I was wrong on that I thought couldn't succeed not because of the talent. I was afraid that the, the the landing spot where he chose to go was a mistake. And that's Luther Burden. He was like the number two receiver in his class. I yeah. didn't understand going to Missouri, playing with Brady Cook made no sense to me. Yeah. Um, but he is he is putting up numbers and um, that offense actually is uh, is effective. So uh, Luther Burden uh, proving me wrong. And uh, I, I really enjoy being able to say that because I love when when. When people succeed, <laughs> it's, it's super fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when we speak of perfect production profiles, like
2: Malik neighbors is, is looking to be like a 100th percentile kind of third season type player. Luther burden going to be like a 100, 100 percentile uh, second season. Like when you look at, you know, age adjusted production measures, like he's going to be at the very top of every single list. And unless something drops off in a major way, um, like he is right there. Like if he was in his final season, Right now, he would have the second-best production profile among all the wide receivers who were eligible in this really stacked class for 2024. And he's doing it as a true freaking sophomore. Like, So to do that incredible. at Missouri uh, with <laughs> Brady Cook as your quarterback, I mean, and hes I'll, I'll do credit he's this fine. year. He's playing really well uh, overall outside of a couple of games. But, man, Luther Burden, he was a five-star. We knew he was good. But uh, he's living up to and exceeding every single one of those – uh single you know expectations that we might have. Um another player yeah. with just you know off this off the charts like his yards per team pass attempts like 3.6, which like average NFL prospect, you can take a full yard a yard off of his mark like per play. Like it's 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 insane. Like he's just blowing it off like through the roof and every single measure. Adjusted yards per team play uh his you know his weighted dominator rating is elite, like everything. Uh, just every single measure on paper is through the roof and what he does uh, from a separation standpoint and uh, winning at all levels of the field and winning games for his team, just like taking it over and saying, Hey, I'm going to score two touchdowns and, you know, keep us on this track uh, to almost be undefeated when they, you know, inevitably face off with Georgia. They just have the one loss so far. So really impressed by burden. He's an obvious slam dunk, um, you know, wide receiver one in uh, 2025.
1: Yeah. And a real quick, just uh for, I know I'm the one saying like, we need to hurry because of, uh my knee yeah. after my knee surgery, still struggling a bit. But I want to ask about the wide receiver one in that class, Evan Stewart. Again, we know Connor Wegman's out, mm-hmm. Max Johnson taking over. What's his profile look like? Is he someone that uh, you still think is on track for, I mean, first round capital, early first round capital, or do you think he's going to have to have a, a pretty great junior year?
2: I think it's really, Next it's season. always important to have a, a really strong final season just because the NFL is really bad at recency bias when it comes to draft decisions sure. uh, at all positions. Uh, but among all 2025 eligibles, like true sophomores, he's still like a top 10 type profile, like right now. Yeah. Um, you know, guys okay. like, you know, Ted
1: McMillan. That's good context. Yeah.
2: I mean, Ted McMillan for Arizona is above him, you know, and, and, and um, obviously Luther Burden is above him. Uh, thanks to the ridiculous like 300 yard game. Uh, technically, like, I am an or is, is above him.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> you know, oh, my God. I turned a... that game off at halftime, oh, bro. Because we were up. We were up 29 nothing. I was like, dude, I've been watching so much football. Let's <laughs> let's turn the channel. We watched Some Love is Blind. And I I looked at my phone. I was like, holy shit, we're going to overtime. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But not,
2: not many, actually, like, guys that you would project to be early round draft picks that are true sophomores yeah. are doing better than him. Um, it's Okay. That's overall, really good to know. I mean, it's just... The, and most classes do better than this one in particular. Most uh, 2022 freshmen of every positional type except for running back are struggling. But um, overall, like I still fully expect him to be a top 50 pick at worst.
1: Yeah, I like that. Uh, a dude who, um, uh, listening to like some of the 247 podcasts over the offseason or um, before the season started, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Concepcion uh, from NC State was getting a little bit of buzz around camp. People thought he might be able to contribute as a true freshman. And you mentioned um, NC State moving away from Brennan Armstrong after things kind of got rough there. Uh, Yet Concepcion still is putting up good numbers. Uh, Can you talk to me a little bit about him? Or is it, I mean, I've only watched like one NC State game and and he looked good, but then got banged up at the end. So is is he um, he the best among kind of a disappointing group? Or is there something uh, more to what he's, putting up that uh, has you excited.
2: We do typically see like the best production profile from a true freshman in the, in the country be uh, better than his is. Um, but even so, like, you know, we don't, we're not seeing like the true freshman season that, you know, Rondale Moore put up, which was just silly. Right. Uh, or ex- like even more recently, like Xavier worthy, like his free true freshman season was in obs- like, just obscene, like not fair. Uh, and he's not in, in that kind of stratosphere, but among like all, you know, close to 1000 wide receivers with legit production of any kind, like even one catch or target uh, in FBS football. Like he's 90th percentile by well, that measure, uh, like comparing him to all other players. But in the country though, like, you know, he's not even, you know, top 60 or 70. Like I think he's barely top 100, you know? So um, yeah, it's not great. But and when you compare him to other players uh, of all ages, but among true freshmen, he absolutely kills it. Like there's a big gap. And then you get to Eric Singleton at Georgia Tech, surprisingly enough. Uh, and then London Humphreys, who's actually a really fun uh, athletic player for Vanderbilt. And the, most people probably don't even know he exists, but he's a true freshman that's probably going to be productive for Vanderbilt for th- the next three years. Um, is he the
1: next Shepherd.
2: So I'm sorry, what?
1: Is he going to be the next Will Shepard?
2: Uh, he might be. And he's actually maybe he's got better pro like prototypical NFL size, too. So, you know, maybe this is mm. like the next uh, what's his face like Jordan. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, Jay Cutler. No, no. no. <laughs>
1: no uh he was the other guy
2: in the 2014 or twenty whatever wide receiver class. I can't remember his name right now. Uh I hate it because I you know Vanderbilt season ticket holder for whatever however long. But anyway, oh, so one in Humphreys is up there for for the freshman. Uh Amarion Miller, because of the couple really solid showings that he's had for Colorado's up Dude, there.
1: I'm excited about him. I mean, he
2: looks crazy good. I and mean, he was actually a four star too. Like he had some decent expectations coming in by anyone's standards. Um, Tyler Brown for Clemson because they need somebody to do anything. Like the only good wide receiver on the team has actually been hurt in Antonio Williams and he stepped up in a big way. But yeah, outside of that, it's been mainly Jordan
1: Matthews. Mostly.
2: Yes. Jordan Matthews. That's what I was trying to say. So he could be the next, to that guy, but actually athletic. So Lennon, <laughs> yeah. So London Humphrey's definitely a name to keep your eye on for, uh, I like drafts. that. But yeah, there's not many guys who are blown it away. Like Zachariah Branch, obvious. I didn't need to really Been mention injured though. injured though. Yeah. Right. Right. So among true freshmen, his profile's kind of dropped off. Um yeah. but uh, if you add in his re- return dynamics, I mean, Jeez. you know, he's amazing. But you know, even like he's so fun. Know, like guys that we wanted to be excited about. Um, Deuce Robinson, Brandon Ennis, Carnell Tate, Jonte Cook, Hakeem Williams, like they've all made like one or two really cool plays. You know, but but for the most part, yeah. not have been they've not been really down to down players at all. And so when you see a player that is immediately the best wide receiver on their team, that's Kevin Concepcion. That's, that's yeah. yeah, and that's pretty cool to see a, a true true freshman. To, you know, so he wasn't supposed to be that guy. You know, and, and not a super high pedigree recruit coming in, but he is. And So we need to acknowledge that he's on pace to be that kind of that pro, perfect profile if he if he holds this kind of awesome uh, impressive pace. The
1: uh, bet you ten bucks he does not graduate from NC State. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably not. He's yeah. probably going to get but, a uh, nice, a nice idea. paycheck in this. <laughs> yeah, next year. Oh, oh man, uh, let's uh real quick let's wrap up with some tight ends. Of course, uh, disappointing news this week with Brock Bowers going down. Um, I don't think it really will. I mean, maybe it, maybe it, it, it dings in half around. Maybe instead of going early first, he goes mid first. I don't know. Mm. Um, but uh absolutely crazy athletic he is the uh the tight end for the class of 24 and um was putting up you know all of all of georgia's non-running back receiving yards yeah. <laughs> like yeah uh yeah like
2: his his um like his profile like you would almost if you were trying to do some kind of like predictive uh, testing or anything like that you would almost re- remove his profile because you're like, okay, I can't like this is an outlier the entire yeah. distribution. Like it's busted. Like I can't even put him in the system. Uh, because it's just so, so absurd. Like there's just Brock Bowers and then massive, massive, massive gap by every single meaningful measure. And then you have Dallin Holker of Colorado State, Eric all of Iowa, but he's hurt now, so that's going to drop off. Cade Stover of yeah. Ohio State, Ben Sinat of Kansas State. But they're not they you know, they're not guys that you would even project to be like first or even maybe second round picks. Maybe, maybe yeah. that guy for Ohio state, but the tight end production, a tight is end, tough to predict
1: a tight end that I love the, like just how they play their build, yeah. their speed. I mean, they're not that fast, but Terrence Ferguson for Oregon um, doesn't have a whole lot of like crazy stats, but, but not bad. And uh, he just looks like the type of wa- uh, not wide receiver, but mm-hmm. I mean, he plays like in line, um, uh, he looks like he could, uh, make it at the next level, but I don't think he's putting up near enough numbers to, uh, to make any of your lists, most likely. No, We're I mean, he's got like a top, list. Uh,
2: it looks like a top 80 ish profile on the season, which is, uh, Ugh, yeah, gross. Yeah. But Hey, I mean, that's just, okay. A uh, tight end production used to be incredibly rare and now it's just still pretty rare. <laughs> and so, uh, like if you don't yeah. put up crazy, perfect numbers, you can still get early capital, and waste away as a walking tight end somewhere, you know, <laughs> like that's just yeah. how the NFL rolls still somehow in the year 2023. They just waste uh, just freaks of nature in many cases, like, well, you know, Kyle Pitts. Uh, so I hope yeah. Brock Bowers is not, you know, put in a bad situation and is actually probably utilized because he's an alien. Uh, and is going to have a perfect profile, even if he just sits out the rest of the year, like it's just, he's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Anyway, you probably slice it. Like it's just, yeah, he's probably the best football player of regardless of position in all of college football. Um, so he's that elite sauce uh, for this class. Jaheim Bell is—he's just kind of this weird crossover piece. I don't even know what to make of him because he's kind of undersized. He's got a, like you know a top twenty profile uh, production-wise on the on, in the country. Uh, J.T. Sanders um, on his per per game basis, he's he's up there as well. Uh, but he's also her sure. Ben Urasik yeah. is yep. good. R.J. Maryland of SMU is good, but. Beyond this year, it's tough to project for tight ends, right? Like, because like true freshmen and sophomore don't do a lot, right? Normally.
1: Yeah, and especially now. <laughs>
2: yeah, especially now, and, and the tight ends—it's just tough. You have to do everything. You have to know every single um, aspect of the offense. You're blocking. You're being a receiver. Sometimes you're slot. Sometimes you're you an H back in the backfield. It's just you're all over the place in most schemes in the college game. Um, and so when, when you do something and you're a top 10ish profile, like production, wise, production wise as a true sophomore or freshman, um, you're going to get drafted. Like, it's basically like, yeah. if you do that, you are guaranteed to be a draft pick. And more often than not, you're like around four or inside that mark kind of player. When you have a elite level production as a uh, true sophomore or freshman and two guys that do that, that are draft eligible for 2025 are Jack Velling actually of Oregon state and Colston Loveland. Of Michigan uh are they just blowing out of the water in the, in the raw yardage stats and, and stuff like that categories no but in terms of like overall market share of their team you know, you know yards per team play um you know, re- receiving yards per team pass attempt a bunch of efficiency measures that we can throw in there too they're really good um on a per, per play basis so Jack Felling, uh he's not going to be an elite athlete but really impressive and Colston Loveland might be that elite athlete and he's just, he's just really smart uh, one of my favorite plays he's done all this year. He had, he was, had an outbreaking breaking route, uh, but J.J. McCarthy breaks the pocket. He immediately thinks to turn vertical, and he's wide open for a huge gain. I think he just got stopped short of the uh, goal line, but it was like a huge splash, like 38, 39, 40-yard kind of play.
1: Um, he, he's been very cheap in DFS, too, so he's sometimes how I steal – uh, steal a little bit of money yeah. to, to, to throw him in at, at minimum and then pay up elsewhere. Cause he's been, he's been decently efficient. Yeah. So. But
2: those guys out of the obvious names um, that might be returning this year, those two are, are ones that I'm watching that I assume are going to be uh, in at least the round three kind of mix uh, for that year and beyond, but true freshmen, almost no one's doing anything, uh, which is obviously disappointing. And the only one who was is, is Lucas uh for uh, arkansas which i actually have some of him in campus again formats uh and he's like out so uh super if, if he
1: becomes if he becomes a, a big deal you know what we're gonna do right we're gonna make a, a mixtape and we're gonna make a music video and it's gonna be luke lucas lucas me
2: lucas yeah i wonder how many people that's happening (laughs) (laughs) oh man but seriously uh his per game profile weighted against the average right now even adjusting for not just like per game inflated numbers uh, is what i'm saying like he's still even after he's been out he's like got a top 10 profile on the season uh so as a true freshman uh so it's yeah that's awesome. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what he could do when he comes back because he's probably gonna be the focal point de facto wide receiver one uh on his offense when he comes back as a true sophomore so he could be that player that takes off and becomes that an obvious you know early round projection uh two or three uh, years from now
1: Oh, I love it. Uh, that's great. Whenever you can get big Arkansas players like uh, Hazelwood, who I still have in a few rosters, <laughs> you got to do yeah, it. Absolutely. Uh, that one hurts. Yeah. Hey, that, that was great. That was a lot of players we went through a lot of information and uh, super interesting. And I think actionable too. If you do play in, um, you know, if you do play college DFS, some great, names to be thinking about um but also like if you're in fantasy and you're looking forward to the future if you're in uh c to c type leagues this is all really good stuff um so yeah i i love it uh when you kind of uh give us a peek of what you're looking at on your spreadsheets because it is uh super fascinating um and i love uh i love me a few prop bets on uh, when people will be drafted and that's just around the corner So, so so that's always really fun too absolutely
2: well, yeah, I hope this yeah, was helpful well, and hopefully, and, you know, if, if there are any questions on any of the kind of measures, uh, metrics that I kind of mentioned in passing, it doesn't, it doesn't really translate well when you try to like break down, you know, building out a model, but I love having those conversations in DM. So do find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis, him, be more than happy to kind of uh, talk through some meaningful metrics. Um, Cause one thing I've been trying to do for like the past eight years is kind of build the book on NFL prospect analysis. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what I want to do, and so that's what I'm still in process of doing. So I'm, I'm all about having the conversations. Um, so come find me at, again on Twitter slash X whatever at ff underscore Travis M. I'd love to dive into <laughs> <Whatever. some> nerdy <laughs> analysis uh, off show as well.
1: No, that's awesome. Yeah, please uh, do rate, interview the show, uh, follow us on uh, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, and of course, uh, occasionally we will drop something on uh, the Rotoviz uh, YouTube, but that's been kind of inundated with uh, all the fantasy stuff going on right now. But uh, yeah, if you like the NFL, if you like college, this is the podcast for you. So yeah, just take a take a minute, hit that subscribe follow button for the College of Canton. Follow Travis on Twitter. You can follow me too. And uh, yeah, let's just keep the conversation going. We'll be back with you next week and we'll focus on some NFL stuff, which will be super fun. Um, until then, thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend and we will talk to you soon.